Welcome to Chatsunami. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Chatsunami. My name's Satsunami and joining me today is none other than my Pixar perfect friend, Andrew. Andrew, welcome back. Ka-chow. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, and I'm good to be back. Of all the references you could have made there and you went for the Cars one, I admire it. That's all yeah. I'm going to say. <laughs> Thank you. But yeah, how are you doing, Owen Wilson? I mean, Andrew. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. I'm doing, I'm doing good. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to do another episode talking about some animated movies. Last time, or not last time, but recently we kind of dove into uh, discussing the ins and outs of DreamWorks, and now we're going to delve into more of a tierless system for a different animation studio. And as you alluded to there, today we are going to be talking about the very amazing animated works of Owen Wilson, I mean Pixar. Nah, that's for next week, of course. But yeah, we are going to be doing another tier episode where Andrew and I are going to be diving into the world of Pixar films and yeah we're going to be ranking them based on our personal preferences so last time you lovely listeners at home might have heard us do a tier list episode was when friend of the show Craigie C and I tackled the second and third generation of Pokemon that was indeed very tough but we got there in the end so now Andrew and I we are tackling a tier episode on our own which is really been a long time coming hasn't it for us doing a tier episode like this yeah i think so i know you were too afraid to bring me onto the pokemon because of my hot takes for which pokemon should be where look i'm not famous enough to be cancelled yet okay <laughs> maybe in a couple of years we'll bring you back for it yeah we should do a generation one tier list shouldn't we Ooh. Well, that would actually be a good idea before we go into that episode <laughs> before we plan a different episode <laughs> <laughs> this is pretty much how all episodes start is like oh my god that's a good idea for an episode write that down write that down before we go into this particular episode what is your relationship with Pixar and these films I have a pretty long-standing relationship with Pixar movies much like I've kind of explained in other not some more nostalgic kind of takes with movies and video games like I did grow up with these properties I have memories of A Bug's Life being kind of in my life for a very long time we, I had uh, toys a nightlight that was a Bugs Life nightlight. I had a Bugs Life birthday cake. I obviously adored Toy Story. I had a lot of Toy Story toys and watched that all the time. More so Toy Story 2, but we'll get into that a little bit later. I absolutely adored movies like The Incredibles and Monsters, Inc. and later Up and some of these other other movies. So I do have a very kind of strong existing relationship with Pixar. How about yours? What is kind of your relationship with these movies? Pretty similar because it's hard to find many people who grew up without the influence of Disney films, whether that be the films of the Disney Renaissance, as we kind of briefly talked about in our DreamWorks retrospective episode. But with Pixar themselves, yeah, Pixar's always been there. They've always been relatively consistent, maybe not in recent years, but again, we'll get onto that when we talk about the films in particular. It's kind of funny when you were talking about A Bug's Life there, because I always remember I had 
had, do you remember kind of in the late 90s, early 2000s, there was a real popular boom in the toys that were motion activated, so they were like quote-unquote room guards? I don't remember that actually, maybe I was too young at the time to have remembered it. I mean, maybe it was just me noticing it because I had one, but I used to have like this statue, well not statue, but like this big figure of, is it Flick? Yeah. Yeah, it was of him and it was like you press a button and he would move and if he detected you, he would bring out the gun. I mean, he would say, oh, danger, danger, whatever. Yeah, it was a kind of cool toy looking back on it. I bet that would have been so annoying for parents. I didn't have it on very often. Also, I'm pretty sure my parents probably had the batteries. But what I also remember is with Toy Story, funny enough, I remember being into that quite a lot because my brothers, they're a bit older than myself and they used to have the toys from Toy Story. So one of my brothers had Buzz Lightyear, Woody, Slinky the Dog as well. So I always remember that was a big part of my personal upbringing when it came to films and the movie experiences as a whole. So yeah, it's always been there, especially later on with films like The Incredibles, one of my absolute favourites, Monsters Inc. And then without going into depth, I don't know if it's like a you grow up kind of deal or it's just these sort of films don't appeal to you anymore you know you kind of think what is it about these films that I'm not enjoying anymore and obviously they're always going to be trying to push different boundaries to try and test new things but especially growing up with these films they definitely played a significant part in my life I would say as well because let's face it even today even with Disney Plus and all of that would you say that Pixar is still prominent by today's standards. I don't think it has the same impact that it once did. I think it suffers from a saturation now in the market that there are more animation studios now than there once was when they were kind of at their height. They're also producing films of the same animation quality and story quality that Pixar was kind of famous for. So I do think that there is a lull in the interest and to an extent the quality of Pixar films with the odd exception, but there certainly hasn't been the same level of interest. And you can also kind of attribute that maybe to us being older that these movies are targeted at a younger demographic than we currently are and so the newer films may not just hit us the same way that the older films did when we were the appropriate age for those movies however there, there are exceptions to that there are movies within this list that came out recently that hit me and others that did not yeah i'm thinking about one particular film that only gets worse well not worse as in bad in quality i mean worse as in emotionally <laughs> draining when you get older and you start to watch it and you start to relate more to certain characters but I'm going to save that before we jump into this and start rating these films we have indeed got a very very thorough ranking system so for those of you listening at home we have got five well technically four rankings for tonight we have Pixar Perfect which is our excellent tier our S tier the next tier is To Infinity and Beyond which is our A tier great film films that fall into that bracket. For our B to C tier, we've got Lightning Meh Queen, and our penultimate one is Your Dad or Your Mum. We don't discriminate. Your Dad or Your Mum watches DreamWorks, which essentially is our, this film isn't good. This film really isn't great. I take exception to using DreamWorks as the example for that. I just mean because they're rivals. We love DreamWorks. If you listen to our DreamWorks retrospective episode, 
then yeah, you'll see how much we actually do love DreamWorks, but for legal reasons, that's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have Steven Spielberg and like Hans Zimmer on the blower, pulling your uh, your panda lawyer. Little do you know, Andrew, that's me playing the long game to actually get them onto Chat Tsunami. <laughs> Debate me, Steven Spielberg. Yeah, so if you would like to hear my legal court case, head over to patreon.com forward slash chat tsunami. <laughs> For only £1 a month, you too can listen to it. That's a half joke. We do have a Patreon, but not those recordings yet. You too can fund my legal battle. <laughs> You two can be a Pandalorian hero. Anyway, my legal troubles aside, the final tier that we've got, and I doubt, I don't think we're going to really use it that much, but the final tier we've got is just never seen. So these are ones that either we're probably not as confident about making a judgment on, or it's ones neither of us have really had much experience with, but we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But without any further ado, Andrew, are you ready to cross this? Pixar Rubicon. Yeah, I think I am. I just want to also say that the order of the films that we're going to be discussing it in will be alphabetical to the movies, but also franchises, we'll put the like first of the franchise in first. So for example, Finding Nemo and Finding Dory. Finding Dory is technically first alphabetically, but we'll talk about Finding Nemo first. For those of you home keeping track, just make sure you've got everything in the right order. Thank you for pointing that out. But yeah, this is how the list online has been laid out. So without any further ado, let's go step on some lamps. And we'll see you after these messages. The lamp doesn't get stepped on, the lamp does the stepping. Listen, I forgot, okay. <laughs> Welcome to Shatsunami, a variety podcast that discusses topics from gaming and films to anime and general interests. Previously on Shatsunami, we've analysed what makes a good horror game, conducted a retrospective on Pierce Brosnan's runs James Bond, and listened to us take deep dives into both the Sonic and Halo franchises. Also, if you're an anime fan, then don't forget to check us out on our sub series. Chatsunani, where we dive into the world of anime. So far, we've reviewed things like Death Note, Princess Mononoke, and the hit Beyblade series. If that sounds like your cup of tea, then you can check us out on Spotify, iTunes, and all good podcast apps. As always, stay safe, stay awesome, and most importantly, stay hydrated. I'm Dan. I'm Lou. And together, we are Casting Views. An uncle and nephew chatting on random topics. Some heavy, some fun, but we aim to amuse. Don't miss out. Don't delay. Subscribe to Casting Views today. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor and Good Pods. This episode is sponsored by Zencaster. If you're a podcaster that records remotely like me, then you'll know how challenging it can be to create the podcast you've always wanted. That's where Zencaster comes in. Before I met Zencaster, I was but a naive podcaster, recording on low quality, one track audio waves. But with Zencaster, you can kiss those fears goodbye as they provide crystal clear audio and HD video. Plus, with our all-in-one podcasting suite, recording with guests is extremely simple. From local recordings to post-production, Zencaster has it all. Go to Zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use my code CHATSUNAMI. You'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. I want you to have the same easy experience I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. So, Andrew... Let's kick off with none other than the one and only A Bug's Life. Oh, this is going to be a tough one. Yeah, I actually agree with that. I was, I was thinking about that just as we were starting the recording of where I'm going to put A Bug's Life, because as we were talking about it earlier, I have 
a very special relationship with A Bug's Life, having grown up with it, having the the toys, there being so many quotable lines and enjoying it so often. But looking back on it, it's not as good as I remember. So I'm hesitant to place it at the very top. Oh yeah, it's definitely that would not Pixar perfect. I don't think it's Pixar perfect, but I would say that it is second from that. I do think it's to the Infinity and Beyond category. Yeah, I, I would say that. The only thing that's leveraging that up for me personally, other than the nostalgia factor, of course, is the fact that it was the kind of early years of Pixar. You know, it wasn't so much Toy Story. I wouldn't go as far to say it was that rough animation and things like that. It was still rough around the edges in some bits, but yeah, it was still influential, so much so that they, of course, referenced it in Toy Story 2. Just in the bloopers at the end. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, maybe they did in the background. There's probably like a Pixar YouTuber out there who's like, about you never saw this and the Incredibles where he steps on a bug. Well, there is that whole Pixar shared universe kind oh, of theory. Oh, God. Yeah, there is. I keep forgetting about that theory. I just imagine the board from Memento just with all the red string across it. Anyway, sorry. For A Bug's Life, are we confident just to put it into Infinity and Beyond? Yeah, I think so. I think that's where I would like it to go. Unless, do you think it should go lower? Nah, I would say it's a relatively solid film. Again, it's not perfect. I feel as if it has aged a little bit, but I wouldn't say it was meh. Like, if you saw it on TV, you wouldn't go, oh my god, I need to watch this. But at the same time, you wouldn't go, oh, it's, it's okay. So yeah, I, I'm happy to put it into Infinity and Beyond. The next film we've got, I don't know how you stand on this film, but I'm not a fan of this next one. But of course, being brave. It's a pretty movie. The Scottish iconography, I guess, and like this soundtrack is very pretty. I know my my partner was a big fan of parts of it because of that. Like she loved the Celtic Gaelic inspiration within the movie and that song that plays at the very kind of beginning. Gorgeous, beautiful, sets the scene of the movie really well, very interesting. This could be something really cool. Does not give Pixar vibes necessarily. This is one, kind of one of the Pixar film where you could have believed it was a Disney Animation Studios film because it's kind of like a, like a princess story almost and a princess story where there's a character that changes into an animal. Like that's very Disney Animation Studios. It's very not Pixar in my opinion. So it is, it's, it's quite a surprising one, but the story is quite predictable. The whole bear thing wasn't interesting. Brother bear did it. Yeah, they did a brother bear. There's lots of annoying scenes when like really Scottish and things. And I guess it's like maybe us coming from Scotland have a kind of an opinion on how poorly represented a lot of it was that it kind of just kind of felt like it was just fitting stereotypes. Funny you should mention that about your partner because my partner also liked certain aspects of this film because of the Scottish I suppose is the right word. And again, you're completely right. The music is great. The scenery is great. It looks very pretty, this film. That being said, I feel as if this film's quite slow, plodding at times. Again, you're right, it's very predictable. Even though I just like Billy Conley, I will say. Ironically enough, a Glaswegian. I'm like, who would want to see that? Yeah, Billy Conley in this film, who plays the father. Can't remember the name off the top of my head. No, I usually get the main character's name wrong so I definitely couldn't tell you the name of her father. He does a good job you know and Merida doesn't do the worst job I will say that. She doesn't do the worst job but some deliveries I'm just like oh 
God. My inner bagpipes are just like squeaking in defiance, but I would honestly put this as a lightning McQueen. Oh, really? You bring it that high? Oh, are we going for your dad watches DreamWorks? I think this film is really bad. The majority of these films, I'd rather watch the vast, vast majority of these films than watch Brave. I think Brave is so uninteresting that I would personally put it lower. <laughs> I'm willing to concede Lightning McQueen. If you think it's sort of mid-tier strong enough, then I'm willing to concede Lightning McQueen. No, I was actually going to say I'm happy to drop it down to your dad watches DreamWorks. No, I'm, I'm going to go with you for your dad watches DreamWorks. I mean, it's it's essentially Mulan meets Brother Bear, isn't it? Both those films do what this film is trying to do better. I can see what they were going for, but there's not really any scope for... Not that I would want, like, a Brave 2 braver, but... This time it's braver. A brother brave. <laughs> uh, anyway, no, I'm going to put it in. I'm going to do it. And it's done. Your dad watches DreamWorks. Wow, our first truly negative one. Wow. Wow. And speaking of wow. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, Cars. I actually, and memes aside, but I actually like that film. I find it very inoffensive. It's not a bad movie. It's not a particularly good movie. My partner does not enjoy it in the slightest. Really? Yeah, I actually rewatched it about a month or so ago with my partner. We were doing something else. I think we might even do like taxes or something. And we were You were doing we, taxes? We, to Lightning McQueen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we wanted to put on something in the background that we wouldn't really pay attention to, but like just something easy. And so I was like, how about we put cars on? So she was like, all right, sure. So we put that on and she just did not enjoy the movie. And I was like, actually, it's, it's not that bad. I kind of like it. But yeah, it's not particularly memorable. So my, just kind of jumping into it, my kind of initial reaction is quite rightly Lightning McQueen. Yeah, I can get on board with that. Do you have anything more you want to add with regards to cars? Nah. It's like a modern day Thomas the Tank Engine, isn't it? But with cars, instead. The thing that really messes me up about Cars and that whole universe, because before we go on to the sequels, and I have to say I have less to say about them, but the thing that messes me up is how they try to make the Cars universe into a parallel to our own world. So you've got like a car that's like, yeah, you've got like a Popemobile car that's sentient and alive, so that insinuates that Christianity is a thing in this world. Catholicism. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's the thing though that implies car Romans that implies car Jesus that implies car Islam because you can't have Christianity without Islam they come from the same kind of branch it's this whole rabbit hole and fortunately we don't have planes on this list because I would be going absolutely wild there is actually a scene in planes where they actually focus on the second world war what? is there a car Hitler or there car Nazis? well there's car kamikazes this isn't even a meme. Oh, do they go there? Like, I hope they don't do, like, accents or anything like that. No, no, well, no, they didn't have the literal kamikazes. <laughs> they didn't, like, get them to speak. But there's literally in planes. Honestly, I've never watched planes. This is the only scene I've seen from planes. And it shocked me, because I went in a huge rant about this, but long story short, there's a scene where these, like, American fighter planes are flying over the clouds and they dive too early and the Japanese <laughs> spot them and try to shoot them out the air. So this war veteran plane loses all his friends and he survives and he's got PTSD from it. Oh my god. That insinuates that there's car fascists. There was a car second world war. What were the Beatles like on the side of Germany? You know, where does it end? It's just it's a rabbit hole of lore. Because say what you will about Thomas the Tank Engine or God forbid that Tug show. You know the one where they put like faces on boats for some weird reason. 
Like, at least for them, they're kind of self-contained. There's no humans in Cars. Like, this is its whole universe. So, where does it end, dear listeners? Where does it end? The reason why we're not discussing Planes, Planes does not technically classify as a Pixar movie. It is a Disney standalone movie and not part of the Pixar property, which is just wild. I don't think there's anything else like that here where something was made by Pixar and then Disney created a spin-off of it. You could have believed that maybe of like Monsters University, but no, no, Monsters University is also Pixar to our understanding. It's so weird that they were just like, I'm going to spin off something from this world and not keep it within the Pixar property. Maybe the shame was too great for them. I just, I don't know. I don't know. But speaking of shame, we've of course got Cars 2 and 3, which surprisingly followed Cars 1. But I don't know personally because I haven't really seen much of these films. So my judgment for these is going to be transferred solely onto you. So no pressure. (laughs) So Cars 2 is the only one that I have not seen of these movies. I'm going to have to put Cars 2 into Never Seen because I can't make a judgment. My understanding from the couple of clips I have seen, it would probably go in the bottom tier, but I have not seen it. So I'm going to put Never Seen. Cars 3, on the other hand, I watched a month ago, just not long after watching Cars 1. This time not doing taxes, this time just kind of chilling. The reason I I was kind of motivated to watch it and like I was like, I'm not going to watch Cars 2, but I'm going to watch Cars 3, is when Cars 3 came out, the word around it was that this is actually a decent movie. Even though it's a Cars movie, it's a good film. So I was like, all right, I'm going to check this out. I know the kind of garbage that takes place in Cars 2, so I don't really feel like I need to watch that, but I'll watch Cars 3. And it's a fun movie. It's a nice movie. I don't think it's better than the first one. I don't think it's as good even as the first one, but it's a well done movie. It's got a nice kind of story in it. Interesting take considering that the first Cars movie was him as a rookie. This kind of sets the place of him as like a senior car that is passing on the torch to the next generation of racers. And they have this whole kind of thing about like how electric vehicles are better, the optimization of the aerodynamics and all that kind of stuff. And like how he just can't compete against them. And he has to like go through an intensive training regime to kind of keep up. The events that kind of happen in parts of the movie kind of get a bit boring at times. That's kind of what makes it not as good or better than the first one. But it's an okay film. I would kind of sit it almost in between Lightning McQueen and Your Dad Watches DreamWorks because it's a hard one to place. It feels mean to put it into Your Dad Watches DreamWorks because it's not a bad movie but yeah i think i think that probably makes the most sense to me so our next film on the list is coco honestly and this is where i get cancelled for my very controversial take here it's not a bad film it is emotional when yeah remember me it's yeah great song personally for me i thought it was okay i feel as if coco was coming off what frozen was establishing and in case you wonder what the hell i'm talking about there i'm talking about the idea of a and spoiler warning a twist villain so you know how Disney for the longest time were doing like this twist villain thing I would say that started before then Toy Story 3 had a lot of hugging stuff or his name is that was like a twist villain Incredibles to an extent had a twist villain I don't know maybe it's just because it felt more prominent in that time period not that it's a bad thing but for Coco I don't feel as if it's as bad to put it in lightning men queen like it's definitely not oh your dad watches dreamworks but i mean what are your thoughts on it i think it's a wonderful movie i think it's a really beautiful movie that deals with a topic that is not often dealt with in western north american media the topic of death is something that's discussed very much in latin culture and other parts of the world but not really something that would be talked about in a children's disney or pixar movie so 
it is very interesting that we're kind of dealing with that and this kind of idea of legacy and being remembered through your loved ones. A lot of films on the Pixar list that people sort of say they cry over. The only one I think I can remember actually crying over is Coco. I don't think I cried at any of the other movies from what I can remember. But Coco did make me cry. Like it produced such a strong emotional reaction from me. And it is very pretty, very interesting. The music is nice, different than what we've heard. So I don't think it's Pixar perfect. And there are many, many out there who would place it at Pixar perfect. I would personally put it into Infinity and Beyond. Yeah, I can get behind that. Granted, it's been a while since I have watched this one. And I remember when I first watched it, it's one of those films that I feel as if I would need to, you know, go back and kind of rewatch it and think, all right, this is what they were trying to do. That's what they were trying to do. But I'm happy to put it into Infinity and Beyond. It's definitely a different film. You're completely right, because as depressing as it sounds, like it's the film we'll get onto later, but they definitely did try to retackle the themes of life and death through Soul, which don't get me wrong, the only thing that links them is they're musical based, you know. But yeah, I'll put that in. So Coco is to infinity and beyond. But speaking of fish and chips, our next one is Finding Nemo. Hot take. I love Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo is a beautiful film. It was kind of one of those ones that when it came out, you were in absolute awe of the animation under the ocean. The story is interesting of like a father trying to track down his son that's been taken. Pretty much what inspired Liam Neeson, really. Oh yeah, of course. And you have such an in- interesting buddy cop, or rather not buddy cop, just an interesting buddy movie in it with the very serious main character of Marlin and the kind of dopey amnesiac character of Dory and so having them both playing off each other is, works very well and you kind of sort of see kind of the, the relationship between the two of them grow and it's like friendship grow and his kind of tolerance of her and you're rooting for her when she starts to remember little bits of information you have great side character moments with the sharks such as Bruce and the uh, the two like, the little ones that kind of come in they're like such a fun scary scene I remember being very sort of frightened of it when I was younger and watched it but absolutely wonderful and then the fish in the fish tank that Nemo is in yeah I have very fond memories of this film and I could happily watch it today it's very good so I think this is as close to Pixar perfect as we've discussed so far and I would personally put it there what are your thoughts I personally wouldn't go as far to say Pixar perfect which makes me sound like an utter Scrooge here I remember when I was younger not liking this film as much maybe it was just because I wasn't old enough or mature enough to appreciate the struggles I suppose that Marlon has to go through because at the end of the day the story of Finding Nemo is incredibly dark, it's about a fish that finds the love of his life, they have hundreds of kids together or rather they're about to and then all of a sudden this horrible, horrible, I think Barracuda I can't remember, this horrible fish comes along and basically kills his wife and everything and he's left with this one son that he has to constantly be reminded with because his son has like a deformed fin because of the incident incident yes <laughs> the conflict as it were with this horrible fish so once he loses him he realizes that oh my god this is the only thing i have left of my former life with coral his wife i definitely didn't look that up <laughs> 
But yeah, throughout that kind of journey, there's obviously the comedic aspects and everything. There's some moments that kind of plod along a bit too much, I would say. I, I know the sea turtles are really popular. Personally, I found them a bit like they kind of dragged on. And I, I, I know that's sacrilege to say. It is sacrilege to say. They're they're amazing. They're actually only in it for like five, ten minutes of the film. They're not in it for very long. It feels like longer, to be fair. <laughs> Last time I watched it, I was like, oh god, get to Australia. Did a sea turtle steal your chips or something? You don't know what I've been through, Andrew, okay? Satsu purposely throws straws into the ocean just to fuck them. <laughs> yeah, well, it doesn't work now that they're all paper, but they just laugh at me now. Yeah, it's like, you know the old cowboy films where they just chew it and spit it out? It's like, you mother... Anyway, my uh, vendetta aside, you know what? I'll, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you for Pixar Perfect. I wouldn't say Finding Nemo is one of my favourites, but you know what? It does have a lot of really interesting themes. It has a lot of really nice heartwarming moments, like especially with the end where he finds Nemo and he thinks he he's dead but spoilers he's not will we pop it in Pixar perfect yeah I think so if you're very strongly against it if you if you think it's like a lightning McQueen then we can put, we can put it in Infinity and Beyond but no no I, I wouldn't say it was lightning McQueen but I'd say it was probably just Pixar perfect just goes over but for Finding Dory and this is going to be the twist I have never seen Finding Dory that is fair I have I saw it at the cinema and I have not seen it again since was not particularly impressed by it it was okay there was elements of a new story to it but it also kind of felt like a bit a little bit of a rehash and so I don't remember much of it as a result of only having seen it once and it not leaving much of an impression on me how ironic <laughs> yeah exactly and there's some very cute scenes like little baby Dory is like super duper cute like oh, little baby Dory but it's not enough to make the movie good enough for me to put it any higher than Lightning McQueen I think I don't think it's as bad as your dad watches DreamWorks but I do think it's a pretty nothing film I kind of wish hadn't been made from what I've heard of Finding Dory and again like I have no judgment over the film but yeah I didn't hear great things I just heard oh it's a sequel to Finding Nemo. You know, like a sequel that nobody really asked for. I don't remember anyone saying, we want more Nemo. We want more Nemo. I don't remember, do you? No, no, no not since 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea has anyone called for more Nemo. Look, all I'm saying is Jewel Verne's like messed up an entire generation of Pixar fans, thanks to that book. I was trying to pull that name up out of the back <laughs> of my head and I was like, I'm just going to have to say the book. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, and speaking of trying not to remember things, The Good Dinosaur. Speaking of literature greats. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to go straight for the Dracula here. Your dad watches DreamWorks for The Good Dinosaur. There is nothing memorable or good about this film I can remember. I think this is the worst film that Pixar has ever brought out. I, I don't remember if it was you and I having this discussion about it, but it, which is what's so interesting about The Good Dinosaur is they were trying to get that film made for so many years. It was put on the back burner so many times so many rewrites so many changes in the animation and the story that they were going to tell i think that was stuck in development hell for around 10 years if i'm remembering correctly like it was a really really long time and then it came out and it was just so bad it was a huge flop financially for them and it was just probably the most boring uneventful pixar movie i've ever seen and i've seen onwards oh 
we'll get on to Onward, believe you me, we'll get on to that train wreck. But I actually remember it was either in Hogmanay or New Year's Day or one of these bank holidays that was on in the background. And all I remember was, I'm sure it was my brother or someone just looking at the TV going, what the hell is this? And I'm looking at it going, I have no idea. So yeah, your dad watches DreamWorks. Moving on to quite possibly the opposite, we have The Incredibles, which personally, I'm going to say Pixar are perfect. Before the boys, before My Hero Academia, you had The Incredibles that told a story about superheroes living amongst us and it did it in such a good way. You know, it wasn't too fantastical. Like, obviously, you know, superpowers are fantastical, but it did feel very relatable down to earth. There were some real human struggles that were on display there. So personally for me, I would say the first one, Pixar Perfect. I completely agree. I, I would also put in a Pixar perfect it's probably my favorite pixar movie i adore this and it's kind of just going for another kind of synonym of what you were saying it's a very grounded movie you hadn't really seen what's so interesting is that you're seeing aspects to into these lives that not only had you not seen really in superhero films or media before except for maybe some comics but just generally an animated film like which other animated films have you seen someone kind of working a nine-to-five job and dealing with a boss who's a bit of an asshole and uh, and then dealing with the kind of the process of being fired and talking about tax documents and which which forms to sign and still making it all very interesting brad bird and how he directed this film in this kind of odd 1950s idyllic kind of setting 1950s futuristic i think it's called like retro futurism is so interesting like the animation now is a little bit rough but i, I think it does still work it isn't toy story one levels of like oh kind of thing it's still it's still very good <laughs> the face only an animator could love I know exactly what you mean. So Incredibles has such a fun storyline. The comedic moments like hit so well. What's interesting is I've heard Fantastic Four was not very well represented at this time and in the following years as well. Incredibles is the best Fantastic Four movie that's come out and it's the best like family superhero movie. It's one of the best superhero movies in general. And which is so remarkable, it came out during a period when you had, I think the first, maybe second as well, Spider-Man movie. You had the first, I don't think yet, second X-Men movie. Maybe the second one had just come out. And you had a series of other not very good superhero movies. And this came out and blew them all away. It's better than the X-Men movies. It's better than the Spider-Man movies, just any of them in general. We'd had a Spider-Man month and I would happily put The Incredibles above any of those films. I think it's probably one of my favorite movies. It is so, so good. And I would rewatch it twice a year if I could. I mean, I can, I, can, I just don't. <laughs> Who's got the time? We've got a podcast to run come on now <laughs> but speaking of falls from grace i suppose is the right term here the first one is very again we listed off a whole bunch of reasons why you should go watch this film and there was like such a heart to the first film i don't know what the hell happened with the second one if i'm being generous i would put it at lightning mcqueen but i don't know i'm on the verge of sticking it to your dad watches dreamworks because this film came out at good couple of years after the first one and it was hyped all the adults who grew up with it were like oh I'm going to go watch it I'm going to push the kids out the way to see it and then when it came out everyone was like wow that sucked yeah what are your thoughts I disagree with you I really like this movie yeah I have a bit of a nostalgia for The Incredibles given like what I just talked about having having loved the first one so much I 
And so there's certainly likely an element of that in play. But I thought the stuff they did with Jack-Jack was very funny. I thought that was really well done. I do think the story itself was a little bit weak, but I don't think it's any worse than a lot of the other storylines that we've seen in other Pixar movies. So I don't think it's particularly bad. I think it suffers from its very successful other film. And so you're you're always going to compare it to that. And so by those standards, it seems like a not very good film. But I do think it has its merits more so than many of those that are in Lightning McQueen. Like it's certainly much better in my opinion than any of the Year Dow watches DreamWorks films. So I would be tempted to go Infinity and Beyond. But given your disdain for it, I would settle for a Lightning McQueen. You make a good point about it's not as bad as your dad watches DreamWorks. Okay, I'll give you that. I think you hit the nail on the head with that one though. That because it's tried to follow the first film that that's the biggest struggle slash hurdle. I don't know what it was about this film that robbed me the wrong way. I feel as if it was maybe because it felt almost unnecessary. You're completely right. It does have its merits. It does have its redeeming qualities. But it just kind of feels like a their film. It's like it exists and that's it. It's kind of a, I wouldn't say it's a nothing film, but it's not a film that I remember being like oh I would go and watch that over and over again like the first one or some of the other ones I would certainly agree that it doesn't have the same rewatchability factor yeah I don't think it's a bad movie though it's an okay film like I know I just spent about five minutes complaining about it there but yeah I would say it was an okay film it's not bad it's not great but are you happy with putting that in Lightning McQueen I mean I'm not happy about it I will certainly settle for a Lightning McQueen well if anybody comes at us saying how do you put it in there send all your hate mail to Adam I think you'll probably be in the consensus will be the mid-tier I think I don't think it was it it wasn't a particularly popular film as far as I remember so I think where we put it is probably where the audience consensus will be but I personally think it's a better film than it's given Chad Tsunami come for the room temperature takes (laughs) (laughs) Mm, mild just as I like it Mm, tepid (laughs) so our next film is Inside Out and would you believe this? You're going to be shocked at this. I have actually not sat down and watched this film. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, surprisingly. I've seen clips from it. I know there's like a sad scene involving a pink elephant. Mm-hmm. Bing bong, I think he's called. Yeah, but other than that, I've not got a strong opinion on this film. Again, I'm defaulting it onto you. <laughs> okay. So I was kind of expecting a bit of a back and forth about this one. I think it's a lovely movie. I do not think it's as good as some have put it at. I feel like it's kind of on a bit of a pedestal in the last five or six years but I do think it deals with topics that a bit like with Coco deals with topics you hadn't really seen much of before kind of ideas of depression there are some good comedic moments in it it's very beautiful with colors the movie the the animation is very good the story is all right nothing too interesting there but there's some good heartfelt scenes I do think it is a lovely movie though and I would personally put it at the to infinity and beyond I've only ever seen it once though so I think if I went back and analyzed it a bit more i might have a bit more to say on it i think it's a beautiful film and i would personally put it into infinity and beyond our next one can i take off the kid gloves for this one would this be for light year yep this was for light year go ahead this is very much a forgive me sensei but i must go all out moment i was thoroughly disappointed in this film you know that way where it's got so many bad moments where you're just like i'm not angry at this point light year 
I'm just disappointed. I'm just so disappointed. And the reason is because this film looks beautiful. Like, this film looks absolutely incredible. And the whole sci-fi story and everything is really cool. And I like some of the ideas in it. You know, I like some of the characters. I like the first half of the film. That's all I'll say. I like the first half. I hate the bit at the beginning, see, when it says, this is the film that Andy watched growing up. It inspired him to get a Buzz Lightyear. I think they kind of needed to explain what the film was. It was kind of confusing. And I think initially they weren't going to have that in it. And people w- were very confused as to like who this Buzz Lightyear is. Why isn't he the one from Toy Story that we know? Like, why is this one different? So I can kind of get why they added that a little bit at the start. I feel like they probably could have done it in a less clumsy way. Maybe had like Andy going to the cinema or something to watch it. The one thing that I feel as if drags this film down completely is the fact that we already have a Buzz Lightyear film and TV series. Do you remember this? Buzz Lightyear Star Command. That's the one. It was cheesy. It was over the top. It was oh we need to do an episode on that 100%. It was cheesy. It was over the top. It was the perfect you know 1950s sci-fi where just everything is so over the top and always amazing. But that's the thing about Buzz Lightyear. It's like he's like a normal dude in chunky armour. You know he's like one shoulder pad away from the 40k universe. That aside. Yeah you don't expect melodrama and all of this from a Buzz Lightyear. I don't know, this is my main problem, I don't know who this film was for because you've got some really comedic moments, you've got some horribly dark moments, it just it doesn't mesh well together. And although, as I said, the film looks great, I just didn't like it. That and is it Taika with Titi, who's one of the characters? Hated him, hated him 100%. I just want to throw that in before we get to your point, but I hated his character. Could not stop Random. For him alone, I would drag the film to your dad watches DreamWorks, but Oof. before we drag it down, is there any saving graces for yourself or yeah, what did you think of this film? I didn't think it was that bad. I'm just gonna like quickly kind of go over what we were talking about with the different properties from Toy Story. So to my understanding, so there's this Toy Story, and then Andy went to go and watch this movie, go watch Lightyear, then loved it. There was a toy line based on this movie. So Andy got that toy. The toy line was very successful and they then based a cartoon series on the toy and the story surrounding the toy which was Buzz Lightyear of Star Command. That is my understanding of that universe. But then why would they make a feature film and then a film of the cartoon at the same time? No, it was different times. Oh, okay. Is this the alternate universe of Toy Story? Andy saw this film. The toy line came out inspired by this film. The toys were very popular. They brought out a cartoon series based on the toys and the kind of story surrounding the toys and then I guess another movie based on that TV series? Probably. It's like the Fate Stay Night Fate Zero universe. I'm going to have to get another pen board. All the strings connecting things. Yeah. <laughs> now getting into the movie itself, I'd kind of forgotten about the Taika Waititi character and he, you're right, he was kind of annoying I have to say but I don't think it was a bad movie. I think it was alright. I watched it by myself. My partner was away at some other like, work thing or like a bachelorette party or something, something like that and so I was just like trying to entertain myself so I, I was like, all right, I'll, I'll watch this. It wasn't great, but like I went in with pretty low expectations. It was okay. I would say it's on par with Cars 3, in my opinion. Roughly around Finding Dory in its impression it left on me. But given your... Have I used the word vitriol yet in this, in this episode? Not yet. <laughs> given your vitriol towards this film, I would happily concede, or rather, not happily, I would concede to putting it in your dad watches DreamWorks. I feel as if this 
probably deserves your dad watches remarks, but just it's not good dinosaur level. See, this is the thing. If I put it in your dad watches remarks, does that also mean that this is then considered on par with the good dinosaur? See, I don't think so because I think within each tier, there's almost like a level within Lightning McQueen. There's movies in that that I would sort of rank above each other. Like the first Cars is better than the third Cars. Incredibles two is better than Cars three and Finding Dory. Yeah, so like I think there are levels to each tier. Stay tuned for our tier list within a tier list. <laughs> Tearception. So yeah, we can put it in your dad, which is DreamWorks, and it can just be on the upper upper end of your dad, which is DreamWorks. The only other thing, I'm just looking at the picture that they've used, and it's him holding the emotional support cat. I like the emotional support cat. See, I liked it as well, but the only thing that kept going through the back of my mind with that was, oh yeah, this is going to be like a toy for Christmas, isn't it? <laughs> it felt as if it was obviously geared directly for that, but you know, he actually redeemed himself. Yeah. Like, I would rather watch a whole film with just Lightyear and the emotional support cat rather than the Taika Waititi ensemble didn't like any of those characters maybe the granddaughter character was alright, she was fine, she was your stereotypical cookie cutter oh I'm gonna live up to the reputation of my gran and everything which that's completely serviceable but the rest of them, no. One thing I will call shenanigans on within that movie is if this film came out first there would have been plushes and merchandise of that cat within the Toy Story universe that we never saw so that is the one thing clearly like given how popular Lightyear was and how popular the toy line of Buzz Lightyear was it would have also produced this cat everywhere like why didn't Andy have this cat I, I've got no argument for that absolutely maybe it's because Andy's mum works three jobs so she could only afford the Buzz Lightyear yeah maybe because they had that dog they were like we can't get the cat toy because the dog will destroy it well speaking of dogs I was saying this to you before we started recording but when I was watching this I was watching it with my partner and of course our puppy and whenever the cat came on screen she would actually dive up to the TV and start trying to use her paws to hit the cat away and I was like please don't (laughs) it's like please don't ruin my TV little pup please don't at least it's very adorable yeah it was cute I've got videos and everything I'll need to send you after Patreon exclusive yeah exactly (laughs) Exactly. you had to pay for that kind of content oh of course but moving on to the next Solemn Luca. Before we start and talk about this, did you hear? Did you hear about the McDonald's toy for this film? No. What happened to the McDonald's toy? So you know the whole premise of Luca. It's essentially whenever they go into the water, they turn into sea people. Yeah, yeah. And their skin turns like blue and everything. So they had a toy that if you splashed water on it, then the skin would turn blue. But of course, putting a human child shaped toy underwater and them turning blue doesn't make them exactly look like a mere person. It makes it essentially look like a drowning child that they were packaging with a Happy Meal. The reason I'm laughing is it's just the most baffling decision I think I have ever seen for a Happy Meal. Like, who signed off on it and said, yeah, this is what we want in the Happy Meal. He's drowning. He's running out of air. (laughs) The sonic drowning music starts playing. (laughs) 
That's exactly what it is. It's like, oh no. But as I look that up to fact check, yeah, what did you think of this song? It was okay. I saw it pretty soon after it coming out. We watched it on Disney+. Plus. I enjoyed it. There's a whole kind of allegory for him being gay, I think was what they were kind of going for, which was an interesting kind of bold decision on their part. Fair play to them. I mean, they weren't, it might be nice if they'd gone a little bit further and actually had them represent that, but like they obviously couldn't because they had to uh, please uh, other demographics that wouldn't have approved that. But it was cute. The animation was interesting. It's very kind of different style of Pixar animation than what we've seen. I didn't find that it really left much of an impression of me. And I felt like there were a lot of story lines that weren't fully explored that could have been. So I would put it at Lightning McQueen personally but i'm interested to hear your take on the film yeah this is another film that's okay it's not amazing because again this was another film that my partner and i watched and we thought it was okay i wouldn't say it's an offensive film it's not as bad as like the good dinosaur or anything i wouldn't have any major vitriol towards it it's just a nice film and it's got a nice ending i will say i do like the ending to this film the ending is very cute i did enjoy that again it's not pixar perfect maybe like Lightning McQueen, but not because it's a bad film, you know? It's like, it's very safe, and would you put it up to Infinity and Beyond? I wouldn't personally put it as high as that myself, but if you think it's good enough to, I wouldn't complain about it going to Infinity and Beyond. I just personally think it's pretty meh. Yeah, no, I'd agree with you. I'd go for Lightning McQueen then. It's an okay film. It's not the worst. It's not bad. It's not offensive. It's got some lovely moments. It's there. It's Luca. It's just Luca. You're drowning him. Speaking of scaring children, the next one is, of course, Monsters, Inc. Impressive segue. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Thank you. I'm taking the bow. Personally, I would put it up at Pixar Perfect, but before I go into my reasoning there, how do you feel about this one? I love Monsters, Inc. I don't know that I personally would put it Pixar Perfect. I would kind of put it on the same kind of tier as like a Bug's Life in Infinity and Beyond personally. But I think it's one of those ones in between. I don't think it's quite perfect for me, but it is such a memorable movie. It is a very fun movie. There's some great kind of lines in it, which is very quotable. But I don't know. I just don't I don't think it's at the same level for me as an Incredibles or a Fine Nemo. If you can persuade me, I could put it in Pixar Perfect. Would you be persuaded if I told you this was one of the first Pixar films that I actually cried at in the cinema? Not out of fear mind you. I was going to say, well, you must have only been about five. <laughs> yeah, well, that too, but it was, you know the scene towards the end, where he lets her go back and everything, and then at the very end, Mike builds the door for him again, and then lets him see Boo again and everything, and I thought that was just a sweet moment. Again, the reason I would say it's Pixar perfect is because of the memorability of this film with all the jokes, like Mike getting his face covered, all the time whenever he's on TV and things that is just absolutely hilarious the absolute creativity with the monster designs and how they integrate into the world the whole idea of the boogeyman and the closet being like a multi well not million dollar but million scare or million screams industry it's really funny to me I think that is an absolutely fantastic idea again thinking of the memorable characters you've got Randall 
you've got Roz, you've got the proto minions <laughs> that come in and say, We got our 2319. You've got the abominable snowman. You've just got so many memorable characters. And to me, I watched this film quite a lot when I was younger. I'm saying it's Pixar perfect. There's obviously one or two maybe minor things I would pick apart with it. But if I'm going in a general sense, I would personally say Pixar perfect. That's fair. I wouldn't begrudge putting it up in a Pixar perfect. It is just not my personal opinion that it is Pixar perfect. I do really like this film. I think that the Put That Back Where You Got It From or So Help Me kind of little song that Mike Wazowski sings is, is very funny. I say that myself in sort of day-to-day life and the covering up with a sticker kind of thing. It's kind of been called being Mike Wazowski'd like in real life. So I think it's it's got that real world impact that a lot of other films don't have. I don't know. I feel as if this is definitely one of the more memorable ones out the whole catalogue because I was saying to you there were some things although Finding Nemo is Pixar perfect there were like one or two moments where there was looking it up I was like oh that happened oh yeah of course and that happened and this happened whereas for Monsters Inc maybe because I've just watched it so many times but I can remember that film like the back of my hand so would you be okay for this one this is don't worry this is the only one I'll be fighting for no I mean you fight for whichever one I'm happy to have the debate it's a wonderful film I'm perfectly fine it's kind of Pixar perfect however that kind of leads us on to the next film which I will be a bit more scathing of personally I don't know what your thoughts are on it but next film is the sequel or rather prequel to Monsters Inc Monsters University which kind of takes them back to their university days learning how to be good scarers and where they meet for the first time what were your impressions of this film I have a very weird relationship with this film on the one hand I don't think it's as good as the first one like I 110% agree and the whole American college campus again as you can tell by our accents we are not American so even though ironically enough you and I went to university together we didn't have that same experience yeah it's not particularly relatable for us yeah which is kind of off-putting to begin with some of the characters are a bit annoying you know obviously Sully's a lot more arrogant Mike is more pardon the pun wide-eyed and curious the only thing that endears me to this film is when I saw this film without going into too much details but after I went to university with yourself I spent another year studying something that I thought I was going to be not destined for that's a bit dramatic but it's how I thought my life was going to turn out I thought that this was what I was going to do later in life and long story short it all fell through I got very upset and very downtrodden about it it was a really rough period for myself and in some ways it it sounds really weird to say that oh I related to Mike Wazowski but I kind of did like I wasn't as aspirational as he was in the film but I could relate to him trying his hardest that something while a lot of people around him said oh you're never going to get into this you're wasting your time I can empathise with and obviously you don't have to go through that experience to empathise with the character but for me it was that kind of special oh wow it really cut deep for me but again with all the Americanisms and everything and some of the character choices again this film actually looks beautiful see when you go to the maybe not so much in the monster world but see when you go to the human world my god the rendering and everything is absolutely stunning but yeah beyond that I'm tossing up between to infinity and beyond and lightning McQueen personally but it's time for you Andrew to unleash your vitriol I wouldn't say vitriol it didn't really leave an impact on me I didn't find it to be a particularly entertaining movie it didn't really engage me I wasn't fully paying attention to a lot of it because it just wasn't really enjoying 
it. And so I would be closer to going between Lightning McQueen and your Dow, which is DreamWorks. So taking the kind of average of our opinions, I think it probably fits into the Lightning McQueen, which has interestingly kind of become a bit of a uh, sequel bin. Other than Luca and the first cars, it's the, all, all the other ones are sequels or prequels. Which will be interesting to see once we get to the Toy Stories. <laughs> oh, speaking of scathing though, something we brought up earlier onward. Oh boy, do you want to kick it off? I was very mixed when in the build-up to this film. Initially when it was announced, I was like, oh, what the hell is this? I'm not really interested. And then like, as I started seeing some content for it, I kind of got a bit more interested and I was like, yeah, I'll check this out. And the pandemic had just started or it was about to start, I can't remember. And so there wasn't really a lot on and this came out on Disney Plus very soon after its theatrical debut. They they seemed to have very little confidence in it slash I think the pandemic started closing theaters. So they very quickly just kind of threw it onto Disney Plus. And it wasn't bad. I didn't dislike the movie, but there were large sections of it where I was a bit bored and I was kind of like, how much longer of this left? Like, when are we going to get to this scene? And there's elements of it, which is sort of nice of this kind of brotherly relationship and having this kind of surrogate father figure in your older brother and that you're kind of relying on. That was nice. And there was some there was some fun kind of comedic type sections, but it wasn't for me. I didn't think it really left much of an impact. So it would be between McQueen and your Dow to DreamWorks and I think I'm leaning more towards your Dow to DreamWorks and I think you're probably going to be in the same category. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on that. Again, it's not good dinosaur level but for a world that was meant to be all about fantasy and everything, it didn't really feel fantastical at times. And then all of a sudden, I mean, it's been a while since I watched it, but all I remember is they summon their dad's crotch on legs. They spend the whole movie aiding said crotch towards the goal and then all of a sudden like a demon dragon or some like world ending threat comes out of nowhere and it turns into like a completely different film oh yeah i forgot about the ending to that film it was really weird wasn't it it just came out of nowhere i mean maybe there is a build-up or explanation i am completely missing but yeah i really didn't enjoy it again if you enjoy it listeners please don't feel bad or anything it's okay we're here for you we forgive you (laughs) it's not your fault I know. Don't do this to him. Don't show me onward. <laughs> yeah, I would say onward. Yarda watches DreamWorks. Which brings us on to Ratatouille, which would you believe is the final film that I was telling you about that I haven't seen? I did suspect that. That was going to be one of my guesses. I was told earlier by Satsunami that there were five of these films that he had not seen that uh, some of those would, would surprise me. My immediate reaction was he's probably not seen Ratatouille. I think you're doing yourself a disservice because you would love this film. It is a lovely film that I actually watched again just a few weeks ago, not long ago at all. It's a very nice film. There's such fun kind of elements of the description of eating different flavors of food and how the food sings to you and how like when you combine one food with a different food and it creates an entirely different kind of music in your taste buds and your mind. This kind of very cute story of very unlikely little chef wanting to do something in a world that would not accept him and doing it through this skinny Italian boy who, well maybe Italian, I don't know. His name is Linguini, so just pretty Italian but everyone else is French and he has like an American accent so I don't know what's going on there everyone is French and he's not and the rats aren't the rats are all American because you know it's very cute the whole like controlling him with his hair thing is such a weird weird concept that like has been joked about and parodied a million times including in the recent Oscar winner Everything Everywhere All at Once they did a very weird parody of Ratatouille with a raccoon this film is very very fun it's very interesting it's very unique I remember going to the cinema 
to go see it. I would not put it Pixar perfect, but I would put it at To Infinity and Beyond. And I feel a bit almost guilty because then two of the films in To Infinity and Beyond would be films you haven't even seen. But I do recommend that you check this out. And speaking of lists, in particular bucket lists, we have of course got Soul. I'm going to be honest, I like this one. Really? Okay, there's a caveat there. I liked the ideas of it until a certain point. <laughs> there's some bits that it definitely dragged on where they switch bodies and things. Yeah. And especially with the spirit world, as it were. The weird, like, sandy kind of desert world. Yeah, and being able to come in and out to it randomly. And the guy's voiced by Graham Norton, which was really baffling, I have to say. Which guy is? You know the sandwich board spinner? Oh, I don't remember that well enough. So you know the guy that gets them into the spirit world again to zen themselves in? Sure. Yeah, that's the guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I remember that scene now. Okay. That's, I didn't know that was Graham Norton. That's funny. I know. It was so weird because when you're listening to it, I was like, that sounds an awful lot like Graham Norton. And I was like, oh my God, it is. He plays a character called Moonwind, apparently. I just had to double check the name. I'd say either just to infinity and beyond or like the Mac Queen. I did not enjoy this movie. And so a bit like what we were saying with Monsters University, I would be putting it on lower end of Lightning McQueen or upper end of Your Dad Watches DreamWorks. So I think this might be another one where we kind of have to settle for Lightning McQueen in between because I didn't enjoy Soul. I felt it was like time wasted for my day. I like the ideas of it, but there is just a lot that really drags on this film. You know, it's like they spend so long in the afterlife then they spend so long doing this whole body swap thing. It's like, oh no, he's a cat and she's in his body and it's like, what is... Uh, I don't know. There's also that whole thing which has become like running joke of African-American characters being turned into other things. Like, this guy is a black man for about five minutes or ten minutes into the movie. Maybe not even quite long, as long as ten minutes. And then he dies and he goes into a spirit body. And so like this, Princess and the Frog, Spies in Disguise, like there's so many films that star people of colour that then involve those people of colour being like an animal or an embodiment of something else. Like they don't stay in their actual bodies for much of the film. It's such a weird trend. It's like, you know that joke where people say, if I had a nickel or if I had a penny for every time I heard that, I'd have two pennies, which... Isn't a lot, but it's still pretty weird. Yeah, <laughs> it's happened twice, yeah. Yeah, exactly. it's the, Doof the Doofenshmirtz thing. Yeah, that's the one, yeah. That's happily put out lightning McQueen, but speaking of one that definitely isn't Toy Story. We're on to the Toy Stories now, we're on to the home stretch. Now, the first one, I don't know, and this might be controversial, I don't know if I would put it in Pixar Perfect. It's not controversial to me, I also would not put it in Pixar Perfect. I would maybe put it in To Infinity and Beyond. The reason being that obviously it was like the first feature length film that they did with CGI, but at the same time, this is a rough looking film. <laughs> looking back on it, it is ugly at times. That spider oh, baby head, God. that gave me nightmares. Oh, it gave me such nightmares. Oh, it was horrible. And the thing is, I showed this to my partner. We watched all of the films because she hadn't seen them, so I was like, okay, we're going to watch all four of the Toy Story films. And I know there's obviously growing and everything, and this is the first film, but Woody is a completely different character in the first film. He is 
arrogant he is basically an ass to put it nicely he's a bit of an ass towards everyone so interestingly enough the villain of Toy Story 1 was going to be Woody and that there was not going to be like a heel turn for his character at all they did a test screening I think I'm remembering this correct they did a test screening and the audience really didn't like that they didn't like that Woody was just the bad guy throughout and so they had to do a rewrite and rewrote him as having this turn where he became likable again and so I think you're kind of left with a bit of a disjointed movie where he seems so different from the first one to the rest of the franchise because they had this kind of image of him that then they had to then change and then kind of work with that going forward obviously like the Woody we see at the end of Toy Story is kind of the Woody we see for the rest of the Toy Story films I suppose that makes sense if this obviously took off as a franchise which it did and yeah having one of the main characters be antagonistic throughout like not redeem himself would probably be detrimental I mean personally I would put this at 2 infinity and beyond I don't know how you feel about that yeah it's not as bad as I would say a lightning queen I think it's better than that I would put it at 2 infinity and beyond speaking of that of course we are now on to the sequel Toy Story 2 I'm curious to hear yeah, though, what do you think of this one in comparison? Spoiling a little bit for what I'm going to say about 3 and 4, this is my favourite of all of them. I really love Toy Story 2. I think it's because I have more of a nostalgia towards it. I watched it a lot growing up. Like, I didn't really watch Toy Story 1 very much because it scared me, but I would watch the VHS of Toy Story 2, like, to the point where, like, the, the tape is probably dead from rewinding. I thought that the clips were very funny. Characters were much more likeable than the first one and were very interesting. The Jesse character was a decent introduction and like whilst an older me watching that might have found her annoying and would have been a bit kind of cynical about her character as a kid I liked her and I liked her horse and her sort of little sad story about being left behind gave me and the whole generation of kids an issue with hoarding I don't want to play with you anymore. Yeah, I think that gave me some sort of like complex, to be honest. Like not just toys. I think I think that like screwed up my mind just in general. But that's that's an entirely different <laughs> podcast where I speak to a therapist. Would you say this was probably Pixar perfect? Yes, I think this is, and I'm gonna make a kind of again a kind of spoiling what I'm gonna say, but I think this is the only Toy Story that I would put in Pixar perfect. Oh, controversial. Yeah, I would probably agree with Toy Story two being Pixar perfect. Perfect. I feel like there's some moments, again, you know, it's more nitpicking than some moments, but again, like Monsters Inc. and The Incredibles, it's very memorable. You remember Al's Toy Barn, you remember the introduction to Evil Emperor Zurg, which of course was featured in Star Command. Really, we need to do an episode on that, but we'll do it after next month. The Star Command month. Yes, yeah, Star Command month. <laughs> You've got the sequence when they're in the toy store. You've got the first thing introduction to the Barbies which is just such a fascinating piece of trivia that they wouldn't let them use Barbies in the first film because they didn't know how they'd be represented yeah exactly and of course after they saw how successful the first film was they said oh yeah great so yeah no no I'd agree with that I would say it's definitely Pixar perfect but to throw a spanner into the works on the next film 
I would also say Toy Story 3 is Pixar perfect. And the reason for that, and I know we're going to get into fisticuffs over this one, but the only reason I would say that is I think that it does a good job of tying a neat little bow, well, a little bow peep, haha, around the whole trilogy. You know, it talks about the idea of Andy growing up, Andy moving on with his life, how you can't always stay in the past. You can't always be a man-child playing with your toys, as it were. And, you know, it's kind of that reluctance for Woody and Co to, you know, accept that, to be able to say, oh, yeah, we're going to be like this forever, which in Toy Story 1 and 2, that's exactly what they said. They said, oh, we'll be with Andy forever and ever. And then, you know, like the Simpsons reference, oh, wait, man, we're going to be relevant forever, ever, ever. And then it fades out. And, you know, of course, they're like falling apart of the literal seams and they're just put into this horrible situation where they have to deal with themes of abandonment. There's that horrible scene near the end where they nearly get incinerated. And I have to admit, you knew they weren't going to get incinerated, obviously. I, for one, was shocked. And or appalled, I know. But you knew they were going to get saved. And I did like the twist that it was the little green men that actually got them out with the claw. I thought that was excellent. And I do love the end where he gives the toys to Bonnie, the neighbour, friend, whatever she was. And there is just that nice closure moment where they're just like, so long partner and everything. And I feel as if this was the perfect finale, which is going to lead very nicely onto my thoughts about the fourth one. But before we get into that, what are your thoughts on it? I do think it's a good movie. I think there are some very well composed elements to it. And I do think that it did serve to conclude the trilogy that was undone by making a fourth one, though I'll get onto my thoughts on the fourth one later, which might surprise you. I think I hold a bitterness towards this movie because of it winning the Oscar the year that I wanted a different movie to win the Oscar. Would that be a particular DreamWorks film? It would be a particular DreamWorks film. So the same year that Toy Story 3 came out was the year that the very first How to Train a Dragon film came out. And whilst I enjoyed Toy Story 3 watching it, it didn't really hit me that hard. I didn't find it left as much of an impact. And because I also loved Toy Story 2 so much, I hoped that I would hit the same mark again for me. And there were, I guess, as I say, there were elements that were very good and I enjoyed. I found the whole switching buzz into Spanish mode was very funny. The stuff with the new toys at the kindergarten that were like questioning Ken was kind of funny. There's a little bit of like a, a homophobic element to those scenes from what I remember, but might be remembering incorrectly. No, I think you're kind of on the right lines there because I do remember at the very end where they write a letter from their vacation their holiday and they say oh Barbie has some great handwriting and they're like oh no I think that's Ken and they make this kind of face. Yeah it's not particularly uh, PC. <laughs> yeah but yeah I think I think I just hold I'm irrationally bitter about this movie because, because of that. I did enjoy it at the time. I did not think it was Pixar perfect quality but I did enjoy it and I didn't really get the hype around it because people were waxing lyrical about this movie both at the time and since. I didn't really care for the kindergarten storyline very much and didn't really like the Bonnie toys very much. Like there's a lot of new characters introduced that I didn't really enjoy whereas as I'm kind of going to touch on a little bit more in the fourth one, a lot of the new characters introduced in the fourth one I liked a lot more than the new characters that were introduced in the third one. I think it's a good enough movie that I would concede that it's Infinity and Beyond but I wouldn't personally put it in Pixar Perfect 
if you think that it is on the same level as Toy Story 2 and you really want to fight for it, again, I will concede Toy Story 3 is Pixar perfect, but my impression is Infinity and Beyond. Well, we could concede and put it at a high to Infinity and Beyond because I still think that it is a good summary to the trilogy. Like, don't get me wrong, the trilogy isn't really... This is going to sound weird to say, but, you know, it doesn't seem as if it's what they'll be building up to. I mean, kind of in a way because they do say, oh, always be there for Andy. But yeah, it's kind of like seeing your heroes grow old, isn't it? With Toy Story, you're like, oh my god, these characters that are falling apart, they are going to have to deal with the fact that they're either going to be given away or sent to the scrap heap. So yeah, I'll, I'll concede that it is probably to infinity and beyond, but the only reason I would say Pixar Perfect is more for the emotional ending, which I know had no effect on you. I'm stone cold. <laughs> You're like, you know what? I hope they burn. I hope they all burn. <laughs> I wonder what they smell like when they burn. Toy Story 4. Ugh, yeah. <laughs> Just, uh, I did not like this one. Reason being that, much like Cars and the Plains universe, it left a lot of questions open. Again, this film looks absolutely amazing. See if you compare Toy Story 4 to Toy Story 1. It's night and day, the difference. It looks absolutely beautiful. Story-wise, though, I feel it's unnecessary. And again, I hated, like, Forky. Like, maybe that's controversial to say, but he grated me ever so. Just the constant asking and the implication that what's-her-face Bonnie can create life, essentially. And that's the thing, though, because Forky doesn't know that he's a toy. He doesn't know about life and everything like that. He doesn't know the Andy protocol of Andy's coming, so stop, drop, and roll. Like, what happens if he rocks up to her right at her face? She's going to have nightmares for weeks or months or even years. Yeah, it's only raised a lot of questions. You kind of have to suspend your disbelief for but I mean you're right he's not the first of those kinds of items to be created by a child so presumably they all become sentient and so why don't they ruin a secret for everyone so yeah there's certainly a negative element to the fourth one and I'm not going to defend it to the death I can understand a lot of flaws in it I did find that it was kind of an an unnecessary movie and I was very kind of critical of that at the time I remember I believe there's going to be a fifth one as well so they're going to keep coming it seems such a shame when you, you feel like the trilogy was kind of wrapped up neatly to then continue but that is the uh, the way of Hollywood the money printing machine there were elements that I enjoyed I quite liked the Key and peel conjoined teddy bear characters I liked them I enjoyed Keanu Reeves as the um, like Canadian stunt driver guy that was a funny kind of little character the villain I enjoyed more than the third one I think the villain in this one was actually stronger than any of the other Toy Stories I don't think that as much as I love Toy Story 2 I don't think that the main villain in that were as good as the villain in Toy Story 4. The only counterpoint to that is would you really consider her as a villain or just someone who has a tragic backstory because by the end of it you're supposed to sympathise with her and get her redemption arc as it were. Like obviously you know it's horrifying when she sends her goons after Woody the goosebump ventriloquist. Oh my god that was creepy as hell like that was the the new uh... what baby head (laughs) 
insert nightmare fuel baby head yeah yeah oh yeah they were horrifying but i would say that the villain in the first one other than sid was obviously um woody he was like the second antagonist whether they liked it or not the second one with al yeah he was just like a greedy businessman i did like also and the third one but i don't know for the fourth one i feel as if she's just too and again i don't want to be too contrarian here to be like oh she wasn't edgy enough or she wasn't evil enough but she wasn't as malicious I would say compared to like the other films I quite like that though I think it creates a bit more of a grounded relatable villain a villain that you can kind of sympathise for and that has that evolution by the end of the movie going back to the tier list how would you rate this one? I personally would have it in the to infinity and beyond but as you seem to not be very for this movie I would place it at the lightning McQueen as a compromise I'll put it at the lightning McQueen but I would put it at a high Again, tears within tears. I would put it kind of a high Lightning McQueen. It's not the worst of Pixar, you know, but it's certainly not the crown jewel compared to the other Toy Stories, especially like Toy Story 2 and, you know, the others. But moving on to the final three films, we have Turning Red, Up and Wally. So Turning Red, to quickly go over that, do you know the amount of people that messaged me when this film was coming out, by the way? I think I was one of those people yeah saying oh look it's a film about a red panda <laughs> you should review it and everything i was like i'm gonna get around to it so when the film came out i did watch it and it's an okay film i've got an episode on this film where i reviewed it for a chatsu shorts episode on the one hand it's an okay film and i did appreciate a lot of the early 2000s references and things or you know the kind of aesthetic i really liked that and i liked other elements for it but again i wasn't obviously the target demographic for this film so there wasn't as many things that were hitting home for me but before I cast my judgement what did you think? You tell me you weren't a young East Asian girl going through puberty? I don't know I'll have to check the family photos but last time I checked yeah could <laughs> be correct. I enjoyed this movie. It got a certain amount of attention. I think this might have been another one that came out during the pandemic, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's set in Toronto, which so of course I have the kind of geographic connection to that, having been like living in Ontario in the kind of GTA, which is the Greater Toronto area at the time that this was released. I enjoyed it. I like the little nods. I like the early two thousands aesthetic they were going for. The introduction of the boy band was fun and the song the songs in it were quite catchy. I'm not really a, a K pop fan but I think or a K-pop or a boy band fan but I think that's kind of what they were kind of going for with their music they were actually actually pretty good the story itself isn't incredibly original I think that there it has been done in other aspects of the teenager transforming like a teen wolf kind of thing going on with puberty being the allegory for this kind of like change that's happening to her and so there are certainly some things that have been done before but the, the animation is very cute the story is okay it's good representation for both the East Asia well I don't know if it's a good representation but it is representation for the East Asian community within Pixar movies and also it is in Canada which is a difference I don't think I've seen an animated movie set in Canada before as far as I can recall so that was that was all very nice I think it was based off the director's own experience growing up as obviously a young Chinese girl in that community in, in Canada on the one hand it is very personal like obviously she didn't turn into a red panda but the whole conversation 
justification behind this film being a allegory for puberty for girls and things like that and going through those. I thought it was quite nice that they were open about that conversation and everything and obviously the significance of that is lost on us but the fact that kids are growing up with that kind of film I think that is a good film to have but in terms of a film itself just taking it on its own merits it's okay. I wouldn't say I would repeatedly watch this film again. There were moments I really liked and then other moments I was like eh this is okay but I would say either To Infinity and Beyond or Lightning McQueen. Yeah I could go either way with its category. I think it would be either the best movie in the Lightning McQueen category or the worst movie in the To Infinity and Beyond category but it probably does fit better into the Lightning McQueen category. Again I want to say that those that are in Lightning McQueen aren't bad movies. I would watch each of those movies again in that category but I do not think that they are high enough to be called really good movies and I think anything in the To Infinity and Beyond category would be classed as a really good movie and anything in the Pixar Perfect is just incredible and an iconic film. So Pink Turning Red in The Lightning McQueen does not say that it is a bad movie and I would argue that it is still a very good movie that I do enjoy. See for the next one again to borrow a phrase from earlier I'm just going to go straight for the jugular and say Pixar Perfect for this one. Although I do have problems with this next one the next one of course being Up the opening alone is one of the reasons that I cannot stop sobbing at this film it is just such a heartbreaking and poignant moment. I've seen the intro several times and there's never a dry eye after it I feel as if like if it was just a short on its own it'd be depressing don't get me wrong it'd be very depressing but it would be remembered really well or rather remembered critically as like a masterpiece but then you've got the rest of the film which I have to admit sometimes it kind of drags on. Do you think I'm jumping the gun? Like what are your thoughts for up? But like what we were saying with Turning Red I think it would be on the lowest tier of Pixar Perfect or the highest tier of Infinity and Beyond because Up is a lovely movie. As you say that intro is such a heart-wrenching scene of loss. Love and loss. And I said earlier that Coco was the only film on this list that made me cry. Where thinking back, it's not technically true. Up did get a tear out of me in that opening scene. I didn't like properly cry. Like I sobbed after Coco, but Up did get a tear out of me. I think a beautiful movie. I do think it does drag. There is a bit of a turn in the movie where it becomes a lot less interesting with the introduction of the villain character. I didn't really enjoy much of that. And like the dog army, I found to be a bit annoying. That's probably my least favourite moment of that film. Like, I feel as if the beginning, absolutely perfect. The ending, when it comes to terms with everything, absolutely perfect. Basically, everything with the main character, I feel as if his whole journey is perfect. But when it comes to Kevin, the pseudo-dodo... <laughs> try saying that 10 times. Between that and Doug the Dog, or in Glasgow we would call it Doug the Dog. It's a hard one, isn't it? It is. I do think the start is very strong. I think the end is lovely. But I think there is too much in the middle, and more so towards in like the final third of the film, that brings it down 
And so as much as I would like to put in Pixar Perfect, I think it goes to Infinity and Beyond for me. That's fair. I'll agree with that. Because initially, whenever you think of Up, you do think of the beginning, you think of the struggle that he has to go through after losing his wife and just that horribleness of trying to fulfill his life ambition, but he's doing it at the sacrifice of his own health and everything and just his obsession with protecting the house and not moving on. Like, it's a very poignant story but I do agree it does kind of drag in the middle and yeah it's like a very soggy middle soggy bottom as they call it in the British Bake Off. That of course brings us on to our final film which remember when we said this was going to be a quick episode? (laughs) <laughs> and that's three hours later. So, Wally, I'm going to be honest, I actually have a bad memory of this one. I remember years ago when this film came out, I went to see this in the cinema with my mum, my brother and my gran. We bought our tickets and when we walked in, and again, no surprise, Disney film, it was packed with kids and you think, well, what's wrong with that? The thing was, the parents were going in and they were being told that as long as they put their children on on their laps that was perfectly fine because these were very young children coming into the cinema but what they were doing instead was they were just shoving their child which probably got in for either free or very cheaply onto the seats so people who had actually bought a ticket didn't have a seat and that meant that my brother and mum ended up they didn't get to see this film so they gave their tickets back and they just went away and did something so I watched it with my gran and I don't know I feel as if that was partly what sullied my experience of it but beyond that, I mean I'm a sci-fi nerd but I just I didn't like this one. Again it's an okay one but I personally feel as if Wally is overhyped. The only reason I'm saying that now is I haven't seen it in years so maybe if I went back and rewatched it I would have a different opinion of it now but taking it back from what I remember it's okay before you shank me for that. What do you think about this one? I will agree that it is overhyped. I don't think Wally is as good as it is often built. I liked it a lot more on my initial viewing than I did in subsequent viewings. Oh wow, really? Yeah, I left the cinema very impressed with it. And then I remember watching it many, many, many years later, or rather more recently, on the TV, and not being as entertained, not being as impressed. The animation is very good. I was gonna say pretty. I mean it is it is still pretty, but like it's it's pretty in a way it's showing such a dystopia. But it's very colourful in it in its dystopia. It tackles a future aspect, a sci-fi, as you said, like a sci-fi aspect that hasn't really been tackled in other Pixar or many Disney Animation Studios properties. So it's very interesting in that and it shows a much bleaker look at the future than what many sci-fi cartoons would. Like it doesn't present it necessarily as this sort of said earlier, this retro futurism. It has this much more bleak, as I said, I think I already said the word bleak, but this more capitalist end game of the world kind of being in a ruin and everyone have to flee the planet and then hundreds of years go by and the people that are left or the descendants that are left become just these unmoving blob people that have to get caught around and are so dependent on technology. I find that very interesting. I think the film itself is cute. Wally, the character, is very cute. His relationship with the robot Eve is very sweet and the non-verbal communication is well done. I would not put it at Pixar Perfect, which I think some might, but I would 
to put it at a low infinity and beyond. I don't think it deserves to be in the Merqueen category, personally. I'll concede to that, because it's not as bad. Like, it's quite creative. All I'll say is there's not many Disney films that take inspiration from Johnny Five as a trash compactor, falling in love with future Dr. Dre's flying beats. Yeah, no, I'd go for that infinity and beyond which brings us succinctly to the end of our ranking so for Pixar Perfect we have Finding Nemo, The Incredibles, Monsters Inc and Toy Story 2. For To Infinity and Beyond we have A Bug's Life, Coco, Inside Out, Ratatouille, Toy Story, Toy Story 3, Up and Wally. In the Lightning McQueen category we've put Cars, Cars 3, Finding Dory, Incredibles 2, Luca, Monsters University, Soul, Toy Story 4, and Turning Red, which makes it the most abundant category in our list. We think we were pretty uh, meh on most of the films, it seems. And then just kind of rounding it off in our least favorable category, your dad watches DreamWorks. Again, not a slight on DreamWorks itself. We put Brave, The Good Dinosaur, Lightyear, and Onward, which I think is maybe a little bit harsh on a couple of those, but I think is probably where they sit in regards to the rest of the Pixar catalog. And then finally in Never Seen, we put Cars 2, because neither of us have seen it. You can take baits. What am I going to watch first Cars 2 or Citizen Kane place your bets now so we've had a bit of a discussion what it's been for Pixar just kind of looking towards the the future for the studio what is coming out there are a few films that are slated to come out the most recent one which is going to come out in June so when this episode releases it'll be probably in in a couple of weeks is the film Elemental have you seen any trailers or anything for this yeah I saw a couple it does seem interesting I'm waiting with bated breath to be honest not excited but not because again it's one of these films that looks great but it's definitely one of those films you have to like suspend your disbelief because if you think about it too much like how the toys and toy story were or cars or cars don't get me started on that rabbit hole again (laughs) you know if you think about it too hard you're gonna be like "Eh, it doesn't hold up but again it's a pixar film so yeah it looks interesting though i'll definitely watch it at some point it does seem like they're just kind of doing like a race war with the with different elements which is a choice they did not already do that in Avatar The Last Airbender yeah there's an element a little bit of there's an element of there's a bit of Avatar certainly in in that but I don't really know much more about this film other than what I've seen in the trailer which is just a fire elemental and a water elemental want to be friends or more I guess in a steamy relationship yeah essentially to get it steamy I got it yeah I got it turn off the pot Andrew (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so that's coming out. I'm not going to go see that at the cinema. I'm not interested enough to go see the cinema, but I will check it out when it comes out to like Disney Plus or something like that. And then there's two other ones that have been slated. There's not nothing really come out about them, but the first one being Elio. I don't know, really know anything about, so I'm not really going to touch on that much more. But then Inside Out 2 is scheduled for 2024, which is wild because they're both scheduled for 2024, only like three months apart. So supposedly they're going to be two Pixar films coming out within a few months of each other, which is a choice. That is crazy. I had no idea that we're making a second one. I think I'd heard they were. I don't remember now. But yeah, it seems like a weird decision, but I mean, it's not the first Pixar sequel and they've they've kind of gone through a lot of the other films that they could to make theirs. So I suspect there'll be room there. I think maybe this one's going to focus more on uh, the girl going through puberty that the emotions focus around. It'll be interesting to see what they do in the future so we can take apart their hopes and dreams and life's work. So yeah, be sure to look out for those reviews. (laughs) 
<laughs> Cheery happy. Hope everyone's enjoyed our lengthy discussion to the tier list of Pixar films. Satsunami had initially, well not initially, but when I suggested this idea, he said, oh, why don't we do the whole Disney catalog? I am so glad we did. <laughs> the Pixar one itself is going to go over two hours, Satsu. We can't add the Disney ones too. More. More. <laughs> but in all seriousness, thank you so much for coming on and actually suggesting this episode, of course. Thanks for walking down memory lane with all these films. No problem at all. Yeah, just if we want to do a Disney one, maybe if people are interested in this content, let us know and we'll be happy to do more tier lists like this on either Disney films or other content. Yeah, if you have any suggestions that you'd like to hear us do a tier list on, we can certainly accommodate that depending on the topic. Yeah, I know I know a couple of people have done like food tier lists, so that might be quite a fun one. On that note, before we wrap up and do our usual talking about our Patreon and where you could find us and everything, we do have one special announcement and that is indeed next week. We of course are going to be going into June 2023, but also we are going to be kicking off our final themed month for season three. That of course being The Simpsons Month. We are going to be talking about its dizzying highs, its not so dignified lows. We're going to be talking about the film, games. Honestly, you're not going to want to miss this one because Andrew and I are both Simpsons aficionados. If we didn't do Chat Tsunami, then The Simpsons is probably the podcast we would do otherwise. Talking Simpsons, we're coming for you. <laughs> Talking Simpsons, we've got your number. Don't get too comfortable. <laughs> so yeah, be sure to look out for that next month. But until then, if you want to check out more of our content, you can check us out on podpage.com forward slash chatsunami and all good podcast apps. You can also check us out on patreon.com forward slash chatsunami where you can get a whole slew of exclusive content such as exclusive episodes, behind the scenes stuff, early access content as well where you'll get episodes a week early and I also want to thank our current Pandalorian patrons Sonia and Robotic Battle Toaster thank you so much for supporting the channel as always guys thank you all so so much for listening to this episode and until next time stay safe stay awesome and most importantly catch out car Jesus stalled for our sins I'm ending the episode this is, we're gonna have a talk after this episode <laughs>